This isn't a huge surprise, right? Jesus didn't say, follow your passions. He said he came not to be served, but to serve. Follow your passions focuses exclusively on you and what value a job can offer you. And I would argue a much more effective strategy is to follow your gifts. Focus on the work you can do most exceptionally well as a means of serving others and making others happy. That's the predictable path to finding vocational joy for yourself. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week, we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. Today, Pastor Daniel is joined by entrepreneur and author Jordan Rayner. They'll be discussing the idea of Jesus plus career and how the two can actually mesh. It's too easy to let your job become your identity and Jesus take a back seat. Instead, let Jesus direct you in your job or even in a search for a new vocation. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Jordan Rayner with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Crazy Happy with me, Daniel Fusco a podcast that is designed simply to look at and explore what does happiness look like at street level in the real world. I get asked by people all the time. They say, Daniel, doesn't God want me to be happy? And I always say the same thing. I say, absolutely, God wants you to be happy. But God's plan for happiness is almost never found in the places that we are apt to look for it on our own. And so we're always trying to figure out, hey, what does God's plan for happiness for us look like in our normal, you know, ways that we're moving through the world. And so if you're a regular on this podcast, thank you so much. If you subscribe to the podcast, thank you so much. Reviewing it, all that stuff is super cool. It really helps us get the message of Crazy Happy out into the world, all the goodness that we're trying to share with people. Normally, I have um, my co-host here, Billy Hallowell, the master of disaster, the master of the Twitterverse, investigative journalist, provocateur, all those things. But I've been told under good authority that, that Billy's working on his suntan right now. He took his family away on vacation, which I got to be honest, little jealous. I think it's a good thing that he's getting away with his bride and his family. But without Billy, we're going to do just fine because I am super stoked today that I am joined on the Crazy Happy Podcast by Jordan Rayner. Now, there's so much that we're going to learn about Jordan, but he is a phenomenal author. And what, what I love about Jordan being an author is so much of what he's writing about is actually being birthed out of the life that he's been living as an entrepreneur. I love it when someone's not an entrepreneur, but a serial entrepreneur, because that what that means is that there are entrepreneurs and then there are people who are super gluttons for punishment, which I know that's <laughs> Jordan's way of doing it, right? Isn't that what it is? That's it. That's exactly right. So share a little bit about, you know, oh, before I, I get any further, don't forget yeah. Jordan's newest book is called Master of One. And you are going to want, like I'm telling you right now, I don't want you to put pause on the podcast, but you're going to want to go over wherever you like to buy books. You're going to want to put that thing in your cart. You're going to want to get that because it is a really, really, really special book. And, and the, the subtitle I love because it's Master of One, find and focus on the work that you were created 
to do. Now, Jordan, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I mean, the background's kind of the perfect setup to the book, right? So by the time I was 25, I was the quintessential jack-of-all-trades master of none, right? I, I worked at the White House. I played piano for tips at a wine bar. I was an entrepreneur. I had already sold my first company when I was 25. And so good at a lot of things, not great at any of them. And listen, I've got no problem, even to this day, being described as a jack-of-all-trades, but I have a big problem being described as a master of none. Because as a Christian, I believe that my life is meant to be in service of others. It's meant to glorify God, love neighbors as ourselves. And we do that when we do our work really well. Nobody is served well by shoddy products or shoddy medical care. So whether I'm an entrepreneur or a plumber or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom, my call is to the pursuit of excellence, to the pursuit of mastering all things as a means of serving other people well. And as I talk about in the book, that's also the path to finding vocational joy for ourselves. So by the grace of God and through some mentors in my life, I discovered this years ago. And kind of my story is the process of continually refining my vocational focus in increasingly singular directions so I could do my best work, serve people really well, and find sustainable vocational joy in the process. Okay, I love this. But we got to back up real quick because you yeah, started by saying that when you were 25, yeah. you were working at the White House. So yeah. obviously, everyone's going to be like, what was Jordan doing yeah, at the yeah, White yeah. House? So, so yeah. tell us that. All right. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't 25 at the time. By the time I was 25. So I was in college. I took a semester off and worked in the Bush administration. I went to the White House Office of Political Affairs. It was awesome. My job was to write political briefings for the president. Anytime he was on Air Force One going to the southeastern United States, my job was to write a briefing. My boss would brief the president on Air Force One. It was a wild job. Crazy internship. A lot of fun. That sounds so okay. So where were you? At, where were you at university that you had taken? Yeah, uh, I was at Florida State. Okay, okay, because you're a Florida guy all yeah, the way. Yeah, Florida guy all the way, all the way. Okay. Six generations. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you're writing political briefs for the Bush yeah. administration, taking a semester off from college, but yeah. then you also said that you're playing piano yeah. in the bar. So, so let's yeah. talk about that because my background before I went into the ministry is I played bass professional, I played upright and electric. Nice. So I would, let's talk about That's your awesome. piano playing. Let's, let's talk about this. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was a music major for, I don't know, uh, six weeks at Florida State until I decided I wanted to make money. And um, yeah, so I was a vocal major first, but also played the piano in Tallahassee. It was this great wine bar. And so me and some friends put together a little band and made like, you know, good college money, right? Like playing for tips in, in, in school. It was a blast. So, okay, so but you're a vocal major, so were you yeah. singing opera? No, 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 no. I was singing like Billy Joel and Alicia Keys. Oh yeah. no, so, so <laughs> awesome. So, so you're you're singing like you know, like front man, piano front yeah, yeah. man, Elton oh, John, yeah. Alicia Absolutely. Keys, Billy yeah. Joel, that whole that whole genre there. The whole genre. I love now do you do you still play now? Yeah, I play for I, I basically just play Frozen for my three girls. Uh I, the extent of my repertoire <laughs> is Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel these days, yeah. Oh, I, I totally love, I mean, so I have, out of my three, because I have two girls, and yeah. so so I totally get that. If you I could play it. the piano, you'd have to play Frozen, to. right? Or, right? Or there's that new song that's, that's out from what the Shazam movie that, like, you know. What song is um, this? Oh, God, what's the name of the song? It's on in my house all the time. Um, you always be, talk, like, Speechless or something like that. Oh, no, Speechless. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's the one. Okay, so just to kind of tease this out for everyone, yes. if you want a little crazy happiness in your life and you have daughters – Frozen and Speechless from the Shazam movie. Yeah. If you can play it on the piano, your daughters will love it because they will They'll sing. They will say, okay. So now fast forward. So obviously, like, so you're one of those people, 
And not everyone is like this, but you're one of those people who obviously is, you have a tremendous gifting. So like, you know, if you can be writing political briefs yeah. and then you could be playing piano where, yeah. where you're actually even making, even doing bad bar music is still better yeah. than most people who, who, in the world. So you, you're creative and artistic and God's given you a brain because they wouldn't let you write a brief for anybody. I mean, no one's ever asked me to write a political brief, praise <laughs> God. But then, so talk to me about how the business side started to yeah. kind of evolve for you. Yeah, it's a good question. So after I was at the White House, I had a year left at Florida State. I came back and I had two job offers on the table as I was graduating. I was either going to go work for the McCain campaign, which didn't sound very attractive to me. And the other option was I was working part-time for a tech startup. And the founder of that business called me up one day. It's like, hey, I've been doing this part-time. I think you should run this. I think you should be the CEO of this thing. I was 21 at the time. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but sure, I'll figure it out. And we did. And, and by God's grace, we had a lot of favor in that. Grew from nothing to about a half a million dollars in revenue in about 18 months. And basically all profit. I was like, I'm, I think I'm good at this. And so the story of my career is kind of what I talk about in the book is just placing continued little bets on stuff and following God's favor and following the fruit that he was growing exponentially beyond what I could reasonably take credit for by my own feeble inputs. And so that set me on a path of just doubling down increasingly on entrepreneurship. I spent 10 years as a tech entrepreneur. Most recently, I ran a a pretty well-funded tech startup here in Tampa, Florida called Threshold 360. And then almost two years ago, I stepped down as CEO, spent a year recruiting my replacement so I could focus all of my time and energy essentially being what I think is a content entrepreneur. All I do now is create content, bring books to market, podcasts to market that are really squarely focused on helping the church understand that their work is a means of service in the world, that work is a God-designed, God-ordained thing that gives dignity and meaning to the work that all of us are doing nine to five day to day. Oh, see, I love so much what you're saying, because it reminds me of, of course, what, if you read your Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, before the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, God blesses Adam with this idea of vocation. And I know, like, in our culture, in a lot of ways, people feel like they're kind of a slave to vocation. They feel like they're working dead-end jobs. They're just doing what they have to do to provide for their families. But really, God has given us work as a gift. Now, obviously, when Adam fell, then there's a cursing of the work, and now Uh, what was meant to be a pleasurable work of cultivating this beautiful paradise in in the garden now all of a sudden becomes a challenge. And obviously you're doing tech startup. So talk about some of the unique challenges that that, you know, brought into your world as you're trying to get this thing going. You know, in my background, I had planted three churches before I got here to Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. So not tech startups, but, but church startups. And it's like, there's some unique things that you learn in that journey. So it's a very similar experience, by the way, little podcast recommendation, There's a great season of the podcast Startup by Gimlet that explores the parallels of tech startups and church planting. It's really good. I think you'd really love it. I think the biggest challenge for any entrepreneur is just the emotional roller coaster. It's not like a corporation that's been around for 50 years and there's just marginal growth. Every win is a massive win. Every loss is a massive loss. And it can be easy to lose yourself in that and find your sense of self-worth in that. I know early in my career as an entrepreneur, that was me. I had a venture that ended up having a happy ending. But at the time, when I was in the middle of this crisis, it seemed like it was total failure. It was the first time in my life I could say I was truly depressed. It was really rough because my self-worth was totally tied up in that. 
And through the grace of God and through some mentors in my life, it helped me realize that my identity ultimately is in Jesus Christ alone. And that was radical for me. It was also around that time, though, that I found out what you were talking about in Genesis 2, the biblical storyline for work, which, by the way, is unique in the history of world religions and worldviews. No other religion claims that God himself worked which is the first thing we see in Genesis 1 and 2, and created work as a good thing, right? Every other religion says that the gods created human beings to work and serve the gods. Only Christianity says that God himself worked to serve us. That's radical. and gives great dignity and meaning to all work. So, you know, my early days of startup, learning that work wasn't my fundamental source of self-worth, that it was still good, and that ambition can be redeemed if we view work as a means of serving others really well. See, this is so good. And for all of you who are listening, I realize everyone's got a different faith background. And, and listen, I've been unapologetic. We're saying, look, I love no matter where you're coming from, but my goal is to introduce you to Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus because he's changed my life. I didn't come to know Jesus until I was in my early 20s in college. And what Jesus has done has changed my life. But I want you to hear something that Jordan, he's repeated it twice. And it wasn't his main point, but I want you to notice that he said, because of the grace of God and mentors who are speaking into my life. And listen, talk about, if you want to be on that, path to God-given happiness. One, you need to know God's grace, which was given to us in Jesus. That's where it comes from. Jesus coming and living perfectly. Jesus said, I always did those things that please my father. You know, And then even though he had never done anything wrong, he died on a cross for our sins. And then he rose again, conquering both sin and death. And that's where God, and when a person reaches out the hands of faith, I like to say that faith is the hands that receive the free gift of God. And then that gift is the gift of God's grace. But then not only do we need God's grace, but each one of us, in order to really flourish in life, we need to have great mentors around us. Because it's so easy in our day and age, you can have people on social media, podcasts, and all these things, but you actually need people who know you. People who could say, hey, listen, your identity, like Jordan was just talking about, and I've experienced similar things where your identity gets wrapped up in your work. Like if you have a bad day at the office, you feel like you're a bad person. You know, I know for me in my music career, music was an idol. And so if I had a bad gig, I just felt horrible about myself. If I thought I had a great gig, I felt elated about myself. And really, God doesn't want our identity. We're so much more than just what we do. Jordan kept saying that the grace of God and, and mentors have spoken in my life. And I wanted to make sure, listen, all of you, you should be seeking after the grace of God and mentors in your life. So important for you. And Jordan, obviously you keep saying it. So, so this has been an impo- a huge part of your life, right? Oh yeah. And I talk about this in Master of One, you know, I talk about the three keys to mastery that I found in all my research through the academic literature, through my interviews with about 30 world-class masters of their craft, was this idea of apprenticeships. And not the indirect apprenticeship you can find on YouTube, but a direct apprenticeship where somebody gets to know you, your specific strengths, your specific weaknesses, and can coach you through that. That's critical, as is finding grace and being able to have grace with yourself as you pursue mastery of a craft. That's critical. For me, I found it in the exact same place that you have, Daniel, in the person, the work of Jesus Christ. So good. So good. And and so as we're talking about this, the idea of being the, the master of one, and it really speak into, because 
we live in a day and age where I love the fact that we have a culture of opportunities. Yes. Like, you know, that's the thing is like, you can do anything. Like right now, you know, as we're recording this, there's a super popular Netflix thing show called The Queen's Gambit about this, yeah. this young woman who's, who's phenomenal chess prodigy. And I was just reading about the power of this thing where, you know, chess.com got like 50 million new subscribers to their app to play chess. And so, so part of what we have in our culture and part of what you're pushing against in Master of One, which I think is super essential is the idea that although you can approach everything, that's actually not the best course of action. So un unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah. So I talk about this in the book, these like three really entrenched lies about career and calling that I think all of us have believed because we've all been told them our whole lives. Number one, you can be anything you want to be, which is your, I'm five foot six. I can't play in the NBA. It's not going to happen as much as Seven, seventh grade Jordan wanted to be in the NBA. It wasn't in the cards. Number two, you could do everything you want to do, which I think we all know by now that's a lie. There's laws of time and trade-offs that require us to make choices. But the third lie is I think probably the most pervasive one, which is that you know our happiness is the primary purpose of work, right? So I'm a millennial. I grew up, every adult, my parents, every well-intentioned adult in my life told me when it came to my career, Jordan, whatever you do, follow your passions, follow your dreams, do whatever makes you happy. And it turns out this is like garbage advice, right? Like for, for one, it, it doesn't work. Millennia, you point out, Daniel, millennials, we've had more opportunity than any generation before us to do whatever makes us happy vocationally. And yet- Gallup tells us that we're the least happy generation at work ever, right? And in the book, I talk about why there's a really good academic study out of Yale that helps explain this, right? This researcher has studied what leads people to describe their work as a calling as opposed to a job or a career. And the number one predictor is not whether or not you are passionate about a field before you started it. The number one predictor is the number of years you have spent practicing your craft, right? Passion is a side effect of mastery. We get to love what we do by getting really good at it. And as somebody who apprentices himself to Jesus Christ, this isn't a huge surprise, right? Jesus didn't say, follow your passions. He said he came not to be served, but to serve. Follow your passions focuses exclusively on you and what value a job can offer you. And I would argue a much more effective strategy is to follow your gifts. Focus on the work you can do most exceptionally well as a means of serving others and making others happy. That's the predictable path to finding vocational joy for yourself. You're like throwing flamethrowers right now. I know, like, I know. Like, I and, it's like, and this is so good because like, for all of us who are listening, no matter what age and stage of life we're in, you know, vocation takes up about a third of our lives. And because of it, you know, we don't want to just run by happenstance. So talk a little bit about, cause someone's bound to say, well, okay, that's great. But like, how do I know what my gifts are? Yeah. You know, like, so what's like the first step for that, Jordan? Experiment, 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 right? Place as many bets as you possibly can. I already talked about my experience in college, right? Like I just did a ton of different things. I played piano I and I wanted to do a bunch of different things. So my advice is to experiment as rapidly as possible. And in the book, I talk about the five principles of effective experimentation. Number one, place little bets, 
right? So if you're early in your career, that might be an internship, but maybe you got a nine to five job, you're 10 years into your career, that might be spending the first hour of your day placing a little bit, writing a book, right? Or practicing a craft that you think might be your, your one thing. Number two, temporarily embrace being a jack or jill of all trades, right? Again, I don't have a problem being a jack of all trades. I think that's the inevitable byproduct of experimentation and finding what you're really gifted at, right? The third tip in terms of effective experimentation, fail fast, right? So learn as quickly as you can. And then when you find something that's not working, move on to something else. Four, prioritize, go where you'll learn the most. Find the opportunities, not necessarily that are the most lucrative, but that are gonna help you learn fastest. And then number five, throughout all that experimentation, keep your one thing in mind. Experimentation is a means to an end. It's not the end in and of itself. It's a means to finding the thing that we could be most gifted at, that once we find it, we could pour all of our energy, all of our resources into developing into something that becomes a truly masterful skill that we have to serve others with. Now, I think what you're sharing is so practical, but it's also powerful because you're really sharing with us that one of the keys to finding that sustained vocational joy is not seeing like not everything that you do, you have to do forever. And you're really right. what you're saying is try things and it's almost like the top of a funnel. Right. That's where it's like, you have that open top and you're trying all these different things. And, you know, another great place as you're experimenting, you know, your local church is a great yeah. place for that. Cause like, you know, I always tell people, they were like, Hey, pastor Daniel, like, I'd love to be in ministry. Like, what should I do? I'm like, well, what are you interested in right now? And they're like, Oh, I think I'm interested in kids. I'm like, well, go serve in kids ministry. Or right. like, Hey, I think I want to do technology. It's like, okay, go with the media folks. Like, and if you don't like that, we'll try something else. Because really what you're saying is that the only way you're ever going to find your sweet spot is you got to start doing something. Yes, right? you got to start doing something. That's exactly right. But then once you find it, you know, once you, I, I talk in the book, I call it the miracle of divine multiplication. So think about it kind of like Jesus taught in the parable of the sower, right? A different application, but think about it as you're spreading seeds. You're trying a lot of different things. Some of those seeds are going to fall on rocky soil. Some of them are going to fall on good soil. It would make no sense for you to pour more water on seeds that were in thorns and thistles and rocks. You want to pour more water, more time, more energy on the seeds that are starting to sprout fruit, right? But in order to do that, you got to scatter a lot of seed. You got to try a lot of different things before you commit to going big on something. So good. Now, what would you say? Because obviously, you know, one of the big things is everyone's like, hey, but but what if I make the wrong choice along the way? <laughs> so talk about your journey. Cause I mean, obviously yeah. there's potential political aspirations, yeah. there's musical aspirations, then you have business aspirations and then you have, you know, all the other things like, you know, you mentioned wanting to be a basketball player. So, yeah. you know, you like sports. And so there's, yeah. there's all these different things. So that whole fear of missing out. Right. So speak right into that because for a lot of people right now, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the experimenting, but I'm not anywhere closer to kind of finding my sweet spot, finding that one thing that God is glorified in, that I feel God's pleasure in, that is what the world needs and what I need to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit about, because I think a lot of people today, you know, we live in a commitment phobic society. Yes. You know, I remember when I, like when I've counseled all these different folks who are getting married, I'm like, listen, here's the deal. When you're getting married, you're saying this person and nobody else for the rest of time. That's God's will. And everyone's like, well, how can you ever say that? And it's funny when the first time someone says it to me, I'm like, that's a really great question, actually. Like, I'm like, you are leaving lots of opportunities on the table, potentially. So talk but a little bit. About that. That's what's necessary to have the payoff of what marriage is, this lifelong partnership. At some point, you got to make a choice. Jesus is. 
feel stuck in your career, or maybe your job has become your identity. Either way, Jesus isn't getting the glory for the work he's given you to do. Pastor Daniel and his guest, Jordan Rayner, encouraged you today to change the story when it comes to your vocation. Instead of letting work define you, see what God has to say. Find out what your gifts and interests are, and let God use them to bear fruit for the kingdom. If you'd like to listen to more from the Crazy Happy Podcast, you can visit JesusIsRealRadio.com or look for Pastor Daniel Fusco on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified each time a new edition is posted. And then be sure to join Pastor Daniel and journalist Billy Hallowell for more discussions and interviews that are relevant to your life today. Now back to Josh with a preview for next Friday's edition. Join Pastor Daniel and Jordan Rayner next Friday on Jesus Is Real Radio to continue exploring what work looks like in your life. Jordan will encourage you to explore the God-given choices that you have in the area of career. He'll also remind you not to be afraid of making the wrong choice. You simply need to let the Lord lead. Allow Him to draw you to the occupation that He knows is right for you and trust that he'll make it successful. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today and be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.